Welcome to Avowedcast, the fan community podcast for Obsidian Entertainment's future RPG game titled Avowed. This is a podcast for fans by fans. We're not affiliated with Obsidian in any way, but we promise we would petition the Game Awards if they had a best-selling, highly rated game get left off the ballot, which we know would never happen. Today, we're focusing on non-magical weapons in combat. Ungrateful, unloving creature. I should let the maw of the dead fire close around you. Pray to another god that you sail faster than my wrath. Welcome to the Valcast. Uh, we have a big group here today. We're going to be talking about uh, non-magical combat weapons in Avowed. Um, we will share a little bit of our knowledge of what what we experienced in the Pillars of Eternity series, and we are going to specifically look at a Reddit post from someone who uh, did a little analysis of the trailer, uh, shot by shot almost, uh, identifying uh, non-magical weapons that we see for combat in the trailer. So we're going to go through that, talk a little bit about what we think, and then we'll end with a couple of uh, emails we have from listeners. And uh, before we do all that, though, we always go around and talk about what everybody's been up to. If you've been playing a game, share it with us. I'll start. uh, Super embarrassing, and I'll take all the crap I get for it, but I know there's no way you would guess what game I'm playing now, so I'm not even going to put that out there. Um, but I've gotten back into... Oh, I don't even want to admit it. I've gotten back into Minecraft. You're right. I wouldn't have guessed that. See? And the, and the room is silent. And that's okay. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just sharing my shame. Um, I don't know <laughs> why. why. Why is Sora thinks that Minecraft is shameful. Well, it's just that I was doing Starfield for so long, and or it felt like for so long. And I'm just, I don't know, man. I'm tr- it, it got to the point, you've all played those games where y- you want to like it, like you're pushing yourself to play it. And you're when you get to that point where you're, where it's like, I really need to do this. Then I, I realized f- at that point, okay, this is bullshit. I feel so affirmed by you saying that because that's exactly <laughs> what I've been going through. Yeah, it's like, I'm not doing this anymore. I mean, maybe I'll come back to it, but I... I just can't. So then uh, then uh, there was an ad on Xbox for Minecraft. I already owned it, but it popped up on the screen. I'm like, I haven't played that in years. So I jumped back in and it is quite different than what I remember. Uh, they've really evolved that game quite a bit. So I'm enjoying it, just goofing around um, for now, wait, waiting for some other t- shiny title to attract my attention or parenthesis to recommend a game I need to be obsessed with. So uh, we'll move on. Let's go to Gingerino. What have you been doing? Um, oh, boy. I, last time we talked, I think I talked about Lies of P, which is a great game, and I am now living vicariously through other people who play it. <laughs> but Like um, me. Yeah, that's right, which um, I'm looking forward to hearing all about. Let's see. What have I been up to? I In the last time we talked, I played and finished Sea of Stars. I don't know if you guys are aware of that one. Oh, yeah, I think I think you talked about that at one point. But yeah, I'm aware of that one. Okay, yeah. Well, if I talked about it, I won't belabor it too long. But yeah, that's if you like Chrono Trigger or the early Final Fantasy games, it is a phenomenal game to play through. I think it'll be on the list of classics in that genre for quite a while. I I liked it, uh, which obviously that's the metric for what makes it a classic, of course. course. Other than that, 
I tried that. Um, what is that? That French word game, Jusson, the one where you climb a giant tower in the middle of a dried up ocean. I have no idea what you're talking about. It was this Game was Pass this, game. Yeah, it was a Game oh, Pass really? game. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. It was the people who made Life is Strange. Don't nod. Oh, really? Yeah, they made this, uh, this little meditative game about four hours long. And all it is is you are climbing this giant tower in the middle of a dried ocean. Um, you're not really given more information than that. You learn about these cultures of people that lived on this tower and how they had to like survive by whatever the tides brought in and all that kind of stuff. It's uh, actually really, it was really well done. Like I was playing the game for the first hour and I thought, I don't think this game is going to hold my attention. And I don't think I'm really going to care that much about the story. And then three hours later, I'm near the top and I'm like, I got to find out what happens. And holy shit, that was such a great time. Like, I don't know. I don't know what they did, but it was a magical experience. Wow, that's a cool idea. It's like a climbing simulator. I mean, that's not exactly what it is, but the pictures look pretty cool. Yeah, it was honestly like if you're just looking for a game to to bang through on a weekend, I I would recommend it. Like you can get it done in one sitting, two if you're wanting to, you know, go real casual, break it up, but you can get it done in one. Other than that, I finally played and finished Tunic, which was great. I won't talk about that much because we already know what that is, but I, I have a shameful one to add. Okay, well, please, really shameful, please. Like, I wasn't really like, I don't know how I ended up on it. I'm kind of going through my backlog and there's a game on uh, Epic Games that was just next in my list alphabetically. It was 911 Operator. Awesome. <laughs> I have that on the Switch. I've never played it. I downloaded it last night and I played it and I was like, this game's stupid. God, I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, sorry about that. That's Man. awesome. It was it, I don't know what I don't know what it satisfied in my brain, but it was just like multitasking all these different crises and crises and figuring out who goes where and whether or not someone's BSing me on the telephone or I don't know why it just like it gave me a whole bunch of tasks to focus on and it pulled me out of my life for a little bit, which was kind of nice. So I yeah. haven't heard of that one. Is that sounds like it's kind of like Papers, Please. Is that right or no? I don't know. I haven't played that. It was one of the free games on Epic that came out during the week. And I just wrote it off as some, you know, simulator game that I didn't need to pay attention to. But it was next on my list. It was 500 megabytes to download. So I thought, well, eh, whatever, I'll give it a shot. And yeah, I don't know. It was exactly what my brain needed. So yeah, 911 operator. Well, that's a blast. Papers, please. Yeah. I love that game. So yeah, very cool. Ridiculously hooked to papers, please. For a little yeah, while. <laughs> I played that forever. Yeah, that seems like it was so long ago, but I guess I don't know if it was or not. But I that? loved that game. Uh, papers, please. Like a, it's like a Eastern European type country where you're just like looking at people's passports and either rejecting them or letting them in based on what you see. And it's just that over and over and over again, and it gets really addictive. That's hilarious for someone very judgmental <laughs> like myself. That sounds perfect. <laughs> it's actually it's pretty cool yeah they pull it off so i'm actually checking it out right now yeah it's okay cool kiwi what do you what have you been doing i know you've been writing so what else have you been playing any games no uh i've been watching starcraft brood war uh matches oh i've been playing starcraft yeah. a lot i actually forgot to mention that i actually went back yeah. and started playing that quite a bit you know, Sprout War is making a huge com- comeback while StarCraft 2 is taking the big plunge. Yeah, absolutely. People are back to the original, and uh, especially with the expansion, 
is huge. I mean, yeah. I can't play in those matches because I get destroyed, but I play against the computer on easy level and it makes me feel good. Yeah, that that has been a blast. Like it it has basically an infinite skill level because of its mechanics compared to Starcraft 2. It's these people made a haphazardly a random game and it turned out to be the perfect uh like esports game. I agree. Uh, it's kind of like uh I mean not to equate it to chess, but it's kind of like one of those games that just is always no matter what graphics around the world no matter what great games come out it's still like has that appeal and and people can still play it and be competitive it's just really well balanced and just such a cool game uh lazar what have you been doing okay so i've been i joined a bit late to the party to the Baldur's Gate 3 party but i joined the Baldur's Gate 3 party yay and... welcome congratulations and um playing with my girlfriend of course and we just reached the end of act 1 after like 100 hours or something so it's yeah there's uh, there's a lot of things to do sounds like you probably missed a lot <laughs> just a hundred hours yeah, yeah i mean you must have rushed through that sucker no yeah, i mean yeah i mean you we should are. probably just start over dude yeah we yeah, are I mean... we are absolute complete completionists i mean there's no there's no stone unturned in Act oh me 1, too but... man yeah. i like i on the fog of war i'm like i gotta see every path every tree yeah yeah so we've been having fun this year yeah that's that's what i've been doing now she is she playing with you? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so you're co co-oping it? Yeah, split screen co-op. Oh, sweet. Co yeah. On the PlayStation. What does she play and what do you play? Uh, I'm playing a bard. A gnomish bard. I knew it. And she's playing a drow druid. Oh. She's you know, a... this speaks volumes about your guys' relationship. You don't know it, but it does. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> when a, You're when probably a right. Bard and a drow druid get together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have no. Oh, yeah. You, you've just opened my eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Yeah. That's cool, so, man. So uh, as a bard, if you haven't tried it yet, you can examine other people that are playing, see what song they're playing, and you could pick another instrument and you'll like harmonize with each other. You can get a whole band going at some no point way, if you ever want to really? try that. Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah. I haven't. I hey, haven't if, tried that. So yet. if everyone was a bard, would they just really do well together? Yep. Oh, yeah, I think damn. that's similar. And I think like when you play the instrument, it plays like it plays the same song, right? Like similar to how Sea of Thieves, like when you play like an instrument, and someone else plays like the drums, it'll it'll play the beat to the same song. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, I haven't played Sea of Thieves, mm. but that's how it works, yeah. Damn, yeah. Man, Every time I talk about this game, I find out something new about it. Yeah, game of the year, yeah. baby. It's going to win. If, if it doesn't, I'm giving up. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I know that... What's the other one that everybody's talking about now? Uh, uh, the sequel... Oh, um, Mike 2? Yeah, I mean, everybody's... Of course, it's like the current shiny thing, but come on, people. Let's be honest. Baldur's it, Gate 3 it, is it, ridiculous. It is very good, and it does some things that Baldur's Gate doesn't. That's worth noting, but uh, yeah. I mean, for my money, it's definitely Baldur's Gate, but I mean, I guess that's why you have a panel of judges. I guess. Um, parenthesis, what have you been playing, and what should I buy? 
So I've been playing Cats and the Others Lives, which is a lovely little uh, pixel art adventure game where you play as the cat Aspen. And the game starts when your owner, the patriarch of the Mason family, dies, and the rest of the family gathers for the funeral and the wake. And as a cat, you navigate the Mason mansion and bear witness to the ghosts of the past, both figuratively and literally. After all, you are a cat. And, <laughs> yeah, as we all know. As, as we know. <laughs> and, and you observe the, the loss and intergenerational trauma that everyone in the family is dealing with. And you slowly unwrap, uncover uh, the secrets of the past. It, I think it's, it's really lovely. But uh, if you're interested, in it, then you should really look at the warning on the storefront because there are some heavy subjects and, and they do happen. And I, I wouldn't want anyone to get unnecessarily triggered by that. Oh, yeah. That just makes me want to buy it more. I mean, there's some interesting uh, tags on here. That's for sure. You know what? I appreciate that you recommended a game that's under $30 for me because every month (laughs) you break my wallet a little bit. I I missed it. What was the name of that game again? Sounds interesting. Cats and the Other Lives. Okay. It looks fascinating on Steam. It looks so cool. Like, I've never heard of this. I don't know how you discover these things, but this is insane. Like, now. Yeah, I want to know that. Parenthesis, where do you get your game recommendations from? It's simple. I I am a terrible hoarder, and over the years, I bought a unholy amount of bundles. So I, I just <laughs> I, have, I just <laughs> open my 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 uh, my reliquary of treasures that is my Steam uh, my Steam library and go, huh? What's this? Why did I get this? Oh, that looks interesting. Let's play that. Damn. This looks amazing. It's like. Uh, Pentiment style, a scroll, uh, but just looks so cool. And just the fact that it has all these triggers makes me want to play it more. So yeah, I love yeah, that it, the it, mouse in the game is actually a mouse. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw That's that. so funny. Oh. oh, my God. All right. We need to move on because I could. Yeah, I could sorry. OK, Rimran, what have you been playing? Uh I preface this by saying that I've been um, my gaming habits have changed a little bit um, because my wife and I had another baby on a month ago. Dude, um, yeah, congratulations! Congratulations! Thank you. I I have a four-year-old, and you would think that like two uh, kids equals like double the work, but it like feels like triple because you can't be like <laughs> you can't because like if I am dealing with one, I can't say hold hold on hold this baby because like my wife is dealing with the other kid so it's like crazy but i have on the other hand had a month off of work for parental leave and i have been able to play some games and i've played portable um, games usually right (laughs) yeah well super mario rpg is one of them which is actually really good i never played the original and this is a remake but it's very similar like i would say if you've played like the Superstar Saga games, like the Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, it's, it's it's like a lighter version of that. And I would even say that, like, if anyone asked me, like, I want to get into JRPGs, what should I start with? Uh, Super Mario RPG is like a great start. It's a very it's a JRPG light. It's only like ten hours long, uh, but it has all the the trappings of a JRPG. Um, it's really good. Uh, and then the other game I've been playing is uh, I, another one where I feel like not embarrassed, but more like, oh, this, I'm, I'm at it again, is World of Warcraft. I'm back in it. Um, oh, damn, dude. Is there something I'm, in the air? 
Because I know it's, so many people that have jumped back onto oh, WoW. Oh, it's, it's really know. increased. Dragonfly, yeah. and then what's the latest one? Uh, there's oh, a new one coming oh, out. It's oh, disgusting. Oh my gosh. It's it, And listen, I, I feel so good in all the disgust. It is... I don't know what it is about Dragonflight, but for some reason, it is... It's grabbed me. I'm, I'm currently, right now, while talking to you guys, because I need to be efficient, because the new kid... I'm doing world quest in Warcraft while having That's this conversation. Awesome. So. I mean, we totally, we all endorse and are okay with that. So <laughs> that but is yeah, very cool. Like... Yeah. I haven't jumped back in the pond. I did with classic and uh, a little bit, but uh, you know, Kiwi and I have talked about that, but I, I haven't really, I don't know why I couldn't find a group or something with the more modern stuff. And it kind of lost some of the charm for me, but I should probably try to try it again. Dragonflight looks interesting. Really fun. Excellent. So we, we have a new person here um, who's joined us for the first time and uh, Centigraphs. Thanks for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself uh, other than what you're playing. Just tell us about you yourself, whatever you're willing to share with the listeners. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Um, so I guess I don't want to share anything too personal. I'm a teacher in life, so I don't want to share too much about myself. I feel like that could be bad if that gets out. Um, <laughs> but as for my online life, I've been uh, doing a lore through of the first Pillars of Eternity game uh, and posting that to YouTube. So that's taken up a lot of my time since this last summer. Um, and just an hour before we started recording this, actually, I dropped the, um, the last session of the main game of Pillars of Eternity. So uh, mm. that's pretty cool. It's 54 total episodes. And now I've already got all the White March recorded and everything. So that's what I'm up to online. Um, and then as far as games go, uh, I've been playing probably too many games. Uh, I've been talking with Gingerino about Lies of P, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I listened to your guys' past uh, episodes, and I learned about GeForce Now, so thanks for that. And I've been Yay, playing... <laughs> that's Kiwi. Kiwi turned me on to that. Okay. Um, well, thank you, Kiwi. <laughs> and uh, I've been playing Plague Tale Requiem there. Uh, but the game I want to talk about is uh, Sh Shadow Gambit, The Cursed Crew. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it at all or the game Shadow Tactics, which was a more like Japanese type game, but it's like an isometric stealth type game. And one of the coolest things about it, there's like a function where you pause the game and you could give orders to all of your characters. Like you can get up to like five, I think. And then when you hit one button, they all do the action that you told them to do. And when you're like working trying to sneak through five or six different guys that are there to kill you. And if they see you, then they're going to come get you. And if when that works, it's just like such a satisfying feeling. And uh, the developers of that game, me, me, me have said that this is like their swan song there. They did this game. They just dropped two new DLC and then they're done. They, they've just decided they need to move on with their life uh, from game development. So highly really? recommend it. Yeah. Wow. So really a swan song then. Oh, that and that just came out too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the game came out earlier this year, but there's two DLCs that I think it was either this week or maybe next week that they're um, releasing them. It looks very cool. I'm looking at screenshots now. Yeah, so I'm watching looks, the gameplay. This is cool. Ah, looks, man, between you and parenthesis, I'm sucks. My man. budget for the month is yeah. gone. <laughs> now I'm eating beans for the next week. So oh well. Hey, beans are great, man. Hey, yeah, I don't Jeep. think Shadow Gambit's on Xbox Game Pass either. Oh no, far. Shadow Gambit is not. 
but it's Sucks. on Steam. That's good enough. It's okay. It's okay. Damn, this looks really fun. It looks so cool. Yeah, this is like, I'm, and I have not even heard of this. I'm embarrassed to say. I don't. I, I don't know why. I'm getting if like it, Desperados three vibes from this. Yeah, it, it's like the same guy. Three. It's the same. Oh guys. yeah, that's right. You said me, me, me. Oh, it is the same. Yeah, guys. it's the same guys. No wonder oh, okay. I was getting those vibes. Damn, I love that game. That yeah, one was fun. One. I never finished it. I'm not a huge fan of the Western thing, so I played a no, lot of it, but, but I never the, beat it. But the gameplay itself was like, I like that stuff. Yeah, I I played it, but I I just me and my another embarrassing admission, it was too hard. I was just I kept I just couldn't do it. It was just it was difficulty wise. It was frustrating for me. It was a fantastic game, but I was uh, the difficulty for me was a little much. But um, very cool. Thanks for sharing that. And hey, just to honestly, thank you for your contribution to the Pillars community online. That's the reason that uh, we were attracted to you. Uh, Gingerino told me a little bit about your 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 post, and they're absolutely phenomenal and detailed and needed. And um, just so you know that there are people out there who really appreciate that. And I hope you're getting good feedback. It can be sometimes a challenging community, but um, I hope that you're getting good feedback. You have good feedback from me. I really like what you're doing. Um, and, uh, I know how much work goes into something like that. Gingerino does too. It's a lot of work and a lot of time, but it's out there. And that's so great because I think with Avowed coming up, that lore is so, is so important. And so many people crave that, you know, we, so many of us fans of CCRPGs and things like that, we crave that part of the game as much as we crave the, shooting fireballs or whatever you know it's it's that's what draws us to it so thank you very much for what you do yeah thank you for saying that and uh for inviting me um i started it and i was like okay this will be a quick way to get a lot of videos and then kind of practice and get better at it but you're right it was exhausting but it was a lot of fun and it was really rewarding so thank you awesome man keep it up do do the do do the expansions you know take a break but do do whatever you know keep it going we really appreciate it um we are going to talk today a little bit about uh non-magical weapons in aora and to before we get into it too much i wanted to say the inspiration for this came from a reddit user uh named ordis which is probably not pronounced that way but that's okay um ordis posted a thread couple of months back uh, this year called a little analysis of the equipment visible in the trailer. And this, of course, is a response to the um, the last trailer that was released by Obsidian for Avowed. Um, and we've talked about that many times over in the podcast already. But I like this particular thread because it really goes into detail about the non-magical combat equipment that we do see in the trailer that there's evidence of. And um, Ortis does a good job of sharing uh, screenshots and labeling those screenshots, which I really appreciated, um, to identify what they were talking about and and when they were going frame by frame through it. Um, So I thought it was really interesting. I thought it might be good to talk about uh, for our audience members that maybe never played Pillars or even those that did. Um, and then you can get some insight from people here. Most of the people here have played through the Pillars games, so they have some experience with that 
Um, I do remember my comment on the trailer was that I was a little concerned about the amount of magical uh, combat shown. Um, so this was also re a refreshing post for me because it kind of put me in my place a little bit and said, oh, okay, it's, it's not just going to be shooting fireballs. It's, uh, you know, this is, they're hopefully going to give as much attention to this as they, they did to the magical system and shooting fireballs. So um, a few general stats, stats were shared in that, and I want to go over Ordis's observations. But before we jump into that, I thought maybe for, especially for if we have listeners who didn't play the Pillars games, if we could kind of talk a little bit about back in even in Pillars 1, um, what what was it like? Because you obviously have the two types of weapons. You have melee uh, weapons, the hand-to-hand -hand stuff, and then you have range-type weapons. But does anybody want to touch base on their memory of how uh, non-magical combat weapons were handled in Pillars? Because I do think it was unique enough uh, that we should kind of touch on how they set that system up because the weapons had specialization categories and things of that nature. Anybody want to jump up and volunteer their thoughts on that? Okay. They also had, wait, they also had like, what, what I found interesting is that the weapons were very situational, right? Like, right. It, like the weapon would do like higher damage or higher uh, against certain defenses. Um, remember, because I think it's been a while since I played Pillars, but there's like three or four different defenses, and some of uh, some of them did that. But then there were other weapons, like I think crossbows uh, interrupted. Um, so like when you needed a lot of interrupts, you would switch to a crossbow. And then like uh, I think uh, guns did a lot, uh, like pierce through like magic shields, if I remember correctly. It's it's been a while, but my point in all that is that I remember it being very situational. It's something yeah. that I hope about has. Yeah, yeah definitely. That, yeah, Go like, ahead. like now that I play uh, Baldur's Gate 3, it's just such a different system from, okay, this weapon is 1d4, this weapon is 1d6, this weapon is 1d8, this weapon is 1d12. And basically, that's the only attribute that a, a weapon has, like in 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 D and D, basically. Of course, there are like other things, like there are resistances to slashing damage or piercing damage, and then certain weapons do this and this type of damage. But 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 that's all. That's for events, right? In in D and D, and then in in because of Eternity, it's just they they did such a such an amazing job at giving like each weapon a kind of a unique feel or like a situational uh, quality. Uh, which is which just which just makes makes everything a lot more dynamic. It's just really cool. So Centigraphs, I'm going to put the spotlight on you. You've probably played more recently than most of us. I haven't. I mean, I went through a play another playthrough a couple of months back, but um, it's, you know, even then, it's been a little while. What is your? If somebody was to come to you and they say, "Oh, this Pillars game sounds really cool. It's the world of Aora and stuff." Or what? What can you tell me about? I I'm, I really like um, you. You know, does it have things like pole axes, or is it just swords and crossbows? What would you tell them about non magical weapon categories in the game? How would you explain it to them? 
Uh, one of the things that I really like about it is that um, there is like specialization categories like ruffian, noble, peasant, those kinds of things. And there's a few different weapons that are listed under all of those. And you get bonuses when you use a weapon with uh, that you're proficient with. But I don't think you get any negatives if you're not proficient with that weapon. So you can feel pretty free to kind of switch back and forth and try new things out and see what works and what doesn't work. Um, but as far as like situational kind of stuff goes, I'm actually not that familiar with that. I've only played on normal at the hardest, um, which is usually you can usually brute force, even if one or two of the weapons that you're using against an enemy group aren't working that well, you can usually kind of brute force your way through it. Um, but like, I forget who said it, maybe it was Remoran that was talking about how each of the weapons does have a very unique feel to it. Um, and it rewards experimentation with the different kinds of weapons that you use. So it's not going to hold, it's not going to hold you back if you try something new. It's just going to give you something more if you decide that this is a weapon you want to stick with, which I think is really nice. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I, that's from something that I really liked. I liked the fact that they gave you the freedom. You can pretty much use any weapon. I don't think there was any restriction in pillars one. Uh, you can use whatever you want, but then they had the categories like you were mentioning. I think there was adventurer, knight, noble. You said ruffian. There was two yeah. more uh, soldier and peasant. Yes. Yeah. And each of those groups was kind of centered around a family of weapons, but then they were very careful because each group was given, if I recall, a slashing weapon, a piercing weapon, and a crushing weapon, um, and then a ranged weapon. So they, so even even the family you picked, you had a lot of variety in, but you were still had that proficiency in. And as we know, Pillars One is very, I wouldn't statistical, maybe not the way to describe the game, but it's a very mathematical game, and that. Um, all these bonuses and enhancements do affect you, your combat ability. I also remember in Pillars 1 that, you know, you can, Pillars games, you can enchant your weapons. Well, I didn't, they called it enhancements, right? Um, where you, you use materials from your inventory to um, kind of like a Witcher style system where you're, you're enhancing the weapon that you have to give it bonuses. Um, there are all sorts of, uh, <laughs> I mean, you can go to the the Pillars Wiki. There's all sorts of charts and cross diagrams if you really want to dig deep into it and to the, uh, you know, the stats and, and the type of accuracy bonus you get and the damage bonus you get. You can really sink yourself into it. But in general, it's, you know, you have your standard d d style weapons, your fantasy weapons, um, you know, everything from the poleaxe to the flail to the morning star, crossbow, daggers, I think the mace, scepter. You had a great sword. Uh, what else? War hammers. They had hammers. Um, what I'm, oh, of course, I'm missing the pistol and the guns because I yeah. never use those. And, <laughs> and a stock oh. and many others. But there's a, the there's point is, it's not medieval weapons. It's Renaissance period weapons. Thank you. You're right. You're absolutely right. And like, it's like really nice that they're not just for show. And the weapons have different damages and speeds, but they also have... Like we already talked, some have different bonuses, and I remember like axes are defensive weapons, and uh, and so forth. And of course, there are these weapon types I've never, I had never heard of, like stock like okay, very very pointy sword, I guess. Yeah, well, that's so, that's so great because I ended up using stock uh, stocks a lot on my my character. I'm I'm kind of the type, at least my first playthrough, 
I was like, I want to use one type of weapon because that's how I play. I mean, once I realized that the weapons are situational, I would switch sometimes, but like my main weapon was an S-Stock and like I had looked it up online, like what were S-Stocks used for? And they're, they were used to pierce like plate armor. Um, they're very pointy, you know, like, like you mentioned. So it, it felt really good that like each weapon kind of looked at what they were for in the re- in the real world and and their bonuses were kind of kind of talked of, you know talked about that which i think was really cool and um as far as like the weapons too like i know you've been talking about experimentation like if you find something like an s stock that you really like then there's an upgrade system that you can go through and you can upgrade it to different qualities like i think superb and extraordinary and legendary and all those kinds of things and i think it was sora was talking about how you can also enchant them um make them do burning damage or freezing damage or something like that so you can if you find a weapon you like you can stick with it by upgrading it and making it more viable as you go through the game whereas a lot of games if you find an early game weapon then that you really like you're going to have to get rid of it by the end game because it's just not viable anymore but uh pillars really did a good good job of keeping it viable throughout the entire game so Lazar, I'll put you on the spot then. I'm going to put you on the spot then. What what is your style of play then? If you have a game that's rich with melee weapons, you know, and and you know that they put in so much time and detail into the development of it, do you still just go around shooting fireballs? No, I mean, of course, uh, of course, that makes me kind of uh, like it builds up a proclivity towards trying to you know experiment or of like experimentation of like multiple weapons like what what uh, what they do how do they feel um because you know that's how as a consumer you just react to um uh the developer putting when you notice the developer puts more effort into something then you're just like your knee-jerk reaction is to like explore it uh to its fullest so like um you know i've been the first time i played pillars of eternity i i I also went through this uh exploration of weapons phase where like i kind of i I knew what kind of weapon i wanted i wanted the uh like this kind of fencing style weapons and then i went through like rapiers as stocks daggers stuff like that and like uh i like that once you know what kind of weapons uh or like what kind of character you want to play what kind of weapons your character would use you still have different uh like you still have choices like with the rapiers stocks daggers like they're all kind of this you know renaissance duelist kind of uh theme yeah and like yeah, just you know, if the dev- the developer puts in puts in, puts in the effort, then you're just gonna explore it. Well, there's such a wide array. I mean, I don't know if any of you have tried. Have any of you guys played uh, Pillars of Eternity one or two on touch controls through Game Pass on the cloud? No. As you can imagine, it's very very cumbersome <laughs> to uh, navigate the ability wheels and things like that. So I'll, I mean, this is a long time ago, so I'm trying to reach back on my memory. But I started playing on my breaks at work, the touch controls on my phone through dead fire. And to avoid using the ability wheel that much, I just basically made a martial party. Like it was all people who were using 
actual weapons so I didn't have to worry so much about picking an ability, finding a spot on the battlefield and all that kind of stuff and just get rid of that management. And I didn't get very far, so I'd have to maybe amp up the difficulty or go back and check it out. But I do remember having to have a variety of weapons available for the tougher encounters. And those things definitely exist. So they put a lot of thought yeah, into I, the breadth and uses of the I weapon. agree with that. I agree with that. I, I'm curious, parenthesis, I'm going to throw this one to you. Um, <clears throat> you played through all the games. Uh, can someone win pillars without shooting a spell? Or vice versa, it can it? How much does the system? How much interplay is between the two systems? Meaning, magic, non-magic, and and do you feel that that's a the kind of balance you look for, or do you feel like, yeah, if I can just use my uh, warhammer the whole time, then I'm I'm good. Um, you get what I'm getting at. Yes, uh, if you by magic mean also mean class abilities, then I think the answer is no. But if you don't, if if you if you include class abilities in uh, non-magical class abilities in uh, just using weapons, then I'd say yes, uh, because there's a little thing called monk. Right. And your your only weapons are your fists. Uh, so I, I'd say tentatively yes, but in practice no. I you you would have to engage with. Uh, the class abilities, most of them are supernatural in origin, in order to get through. I, I, I yeah. How essential are weapons in pillars, though? Parenthesis is it, how essential do you feel the use of non-magical weapons is? Is or is it just there for people who like melee combat? Oh, I think they are essential. I mean, I don't think I would have a hard time getting through the games without using both. I think they. Uh, I think it, it like. Weapons bring you like like uh, like seventy five percent of the way, and and uh, and magic gets you the rest of the way. Interesting. I really want yeah. to go play a a punchy kicky only playthrough now. Yeah, see if I can make it work. <laughs> it's also only like um, it's a separate system, right? Where in some games, like the class determines what weapons you can use. But in, right. in pillars, you could use weapons are completely separate. And in fact, you could be a mage who uses a one-handed sword. Um, I don't know if you would want to because they're so squishy, but you could. And there may be situations where uh, the the weapon has a bonus that you want your magic person to to have. So it's such a separate system, which I think is so another good thing about it. You know what I mean? And. Um... There's, I know there's a trophy for going through the game on like expert difficulty, path of the damned, iron mode, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, by doing that solo, so I, I, I don't know if there's any like playthroughs available to watch. I haven't seen anything, but how would you do that? Would you still be able? Would you still have to use both magic and weapons, or would you really have to hyper focus on just one of those things to get through that entire game uh, on all those like really hard modes? I think you have to use every single thing you have if you want to play for if you want to do an ultimate playthrough. That is, uh, that is, that is. You, you can't just remove a part of of the game. I think that's impossible. I think it's mostly magic in those cases because isn't the most uh, common one people use to try the ultimate like priest of skein or something like that. That's what I was going to say. Like with higher oh, okay. difficulties, with higher difficulties, you have to use like. It's almost like the there's less choice the higher your difficulty because you have to really pay attention to the meta 
and pay attention to uh, like well in this fight you like it's impossible to use like a gun you know what i mean whereas like the lower the difficulty the more choice the more you can ignore the more you can say you know what i'm going to use s box and i'm not going to use anything else whereas in the meta you're you have to pay attention to both what magic you're using what classes you're using what abilities with those classes and what weapons you're using so you have to be able you know to switch mean? through all those things depending on the encounter that you're mm -hmm. currently working on yeah, uh, I would say so. What difficulty are we talking about? Like Path of the Damned or Triple Crown? I think all the ultimate. Yeah, but, that's yeah. what I was. Because if, if we are talking about the solo playthroughs, that's uh, then a, a completely another thing. Like uh, compared to like if you do it like a five or six man party. Yeah, I was wondering about solo because I know that that exists, and I know that some people have done that. I just couldn't imagine what that even looks like. So I looks just, pretty boring. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I just find it fascinating, and this is a credit to to the people who developed the the first game, the very Pillars One, and yes, Pillars Two is fantastic as well. But just uh, I have actually I uh, own the uh, Pillars. Uh, what do they call it? The Prima Guide or whatever. Back back in the day when they used to release guides for games. And it's so crazy. I was flipping through it and looking through that the entire section on uh, on non magical meaning, you know, not in, enchanted, but you can enchant them, yes. But just the melee and ranged weapons is insane. The amount of pages they dedicate to that in here, and and the detail for each one, and I just it it humbles me a little bit to think about how much work went into this because it's not as some of you said this isn't just surface paint this is this is like they put a lot of thought into how this affects the way you play a, a lot of thought into the difference between uh you know the cat's claw and the i don't know what what's another one the uh uh this just the regular sword you know that they, they even though they might look the same, if you know you're looking at somebody holding them and they look the same, the, each one is unique in its own way. And the amount of work that they put into that, just from a mathematical standpoint, is amazing to me. And I mean, and it's that just kind of makes sense considering like they're trying to be spiritual successors to the the Baldur's Gate and like Icewind Dale and stuff, right? Because they kind of set the bar for that. I, a game like yeah. this, this it makes more sense to be. Like that granular and analytic with the weapons on all the different situations. But I wonder, do you like, do you guys think Avowed's going to have, like, it probably won't, obviously, but like, to what degree do we think Avowed might have that same uh, breadth for weapon uses and situations? I know. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? I mean, I wonder if, like, the game director for Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2, his, his, like, major, his role at Obsidian was a, a a system designer right so like that's his bread and butter so if you look at the game there's a lot of like really good i think in my opinion really good system design and i'm not saying that you can't have that where the game director isn't one but i'm saying like he comes into it with that in mind versus like i think the game director now for avowed is a narrative designer so i'm thinking maybe like if they're more of a story focus i don't know how much like the game director's actual like job normally affects how the game turns out, but I feel like it must affect it some way, right? Yeah, 
Um, I think uh, Carrie Patel did address that a little bit in her um, interview. Um, who knows how much we can read into that, but uh, the, uh, and Kivi mentioned that in the chat that um, the quality over quantity and that wanted you, they, they're saying from a developer standpoint, they want you to really have that feel that, uh, that you, you, f you feel the power of your weapon, right? Even in upgrades, but just in general, when you're using a sword, it feels different than using an ax. I don't know how you would really accomplish that uh, through gameplay mechanics, but you know, the, the, that's kind of what she said they were going for. So that, that differenti differentiation means to me, less weapons, non-magical weapons and maybe more of a focus on each weapon, a deeper dive even on, on each weapon. Now, obviously it's all speculation. I have no idea, but uh, I, I find that interesting, maybe a little bit disheartening, but I mean, I, I guess I like detail, so it's fine with me, but that's a good segue. Let's go into this trailer analysis. So the whole reason we're doing this discussion today is we were inspired by a post in the avowed Reddit community by a user named Ortis. Ortis is spelled O-R-D-U-S-S. -S. Ortis has a post labeled a uh, little analysis of the equipment visible in the trailer. Of course, this is referring to the very last trailer we got, uh, the one with all the combat in it. And um, Ortis takes the time to go through this trailer, look frame by frame for every piece of armor and non-magical weapon that you can find, uh, which is great because it kind of puts the spotlight as we've been talking about on those non-magical melee and ranged weapons that are prevalent in the Pillars franchise. Um, and I contacted Ortis. Ortis couldn't join us today because of a language barrier, um, but uh, gave us his blessing. And so I want to read through this post real quick, and then we're going to talk about it. So the post goes to say, in the trailer we can see a handful of equipments, and this is a few observations can be deduced from that. Most weapons are made of metal, probably steel, which is logical since the universe of Aora relies a lot on the different variants of this material. We can also see other materials like Audra in the scepter, one of the scepters we see. We can also see wood uh, and animal material on some of the shields. The armor can be separated into four parts based on the trailer. There are gauntlets, breastplates, helmets, and boots. Um, and goes on to observe that for some of those, there's quite a few different types. Notice five different types of helmets, for example. Then moves on to the non-magical weapons, which uh, list out very specifically what we see from the trailer. There are two different types of scepters. There's a grimoire. There's one-handed and two-handed swords. There are uh, axes, but noted that uh, there are four different types of axes, but each of those are one-handed axes. Hammers, uh, maces. There's uh, six different types of shields. There's two different types of bows, two different types of arrows. Uh, you'll note in one of the scenes, there's dual-wielding daggers. There's a spear, a staff, and two different types of pistols and a blunderbuss. And 
those are all just from that that short trailer that we the most recent one we got. So there's a nice variety of weapons, and this is what Ordis kind of focuses on. Um, does mention that many of those seem to have some sort of colored hue to them, which kind of implies enchantment, um, enhancing those weapons in a particular way, which is also kind of straight from the Pillars franchise of uh, things that we could do before. We didn't necessarily see uh, a lot of the unique weapons that we saw in the Pillars games, um, but these are kind of what we you know, we were given, we haven't been given any more information than this. So as you guys looked at what Ortis's observations were of the trailer, is there anything that stood out to you? Anything surprised you? Any thoughts that you have specifically on uh, those observations? Well, one thing that we like, because we were talking about the breadth of weapons and pillars of eternity, right? Like we got pole axes, quarter staffs, S stocks and stuff. Uh, based off his observations, obviously we're not seeing as wide an array, which I'm not terribly surprised by because it it's a completely different perspective in the game world. But yeah, like we're not seeing, I don't see a list or anything for those particular situational weapons like S-Docs or flails or morning stars. So it seems like they're kind of sticking with the axe, sword, hammer motif there. The holy trinity. Yeah, I mean, it worked at Skyrim, so, you know. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's a loaded quote um, <laughs> I mean that, that's just one thing I mean they do have spears right but to what extent are they used like uh, do you throw them or not we don't I don't think we know do you feel like though here's my question so that's obviously an observation I think that that many people who commented on his post made was that it you know this is a generic may not be the word but this is what you would expect right that you don't have the like in the guide I was talking about where there's literally 40 pages of all the different types of non-magical weapons in Pillars of Eternity 1, um, ridiculous amount uh, listed there and the details for each. But here we're seeing, you know, one and two-handed swords, axes, hammers, bows, daggers, spears, pistols. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know what word to use. Like, I want to say maybe basic but that like that has a negative connotation that i don't want to real necessarily apply it is it seems like it's not as focused as the pillars attorney game is but the, again i think that's because of the perspective of the game from something being like an isometric crpg to a first person maybe more action oriented rpg like that makes that sounds like a sensible choice right that you would kind of have a less breadth or a less variety, a smaller array of weapon choices, and who knows how they're implementing it, right? Like, do, if they're getting upgraded or if it is just about like unique weapons. I don't know. Kiwi, would you be disappointed if if they only have like uh, I don't know? Let's say let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Twenty different types of non magical weapons versus like the hundred and twenty that are in Pillars One. I try not to expect anything from them. <laughs> Like uh, twenty is a lot already, I think. So they they are go going through development with quite I don't know how how to even like word this. Like twenty is already a lot, I, I'd say, from Obsidian now to Avowed from what I, all that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, considering that we saw like the pre-alpha 
footage or something. It it's still a lot of weapons. That's true. Yeah, and if there's too many weapons, like how can they do all that right? If they're gonna do that, yeah, but so they've already done it right, though. They've already done it right, right? Not in first well, person. Right, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a right, for, right for an isometric CRPG is not the same as right for a first person RPG, and I would even argue. That I don't think I have played a game that really has has gotten first person combat RPG quote unquote right or perfect. Does that make sense? Like I feel like every first person RPG I've played has had kind of wonky combat. Uh, yeah. I don't like anybody. Please speak up and remind me of a game that that has like the perfect like oh yes that was amazing um, combat. And I tell you the one that has. That is the most boring, I, I think, is is like Skyrim. So, and that's probably the one that most people ha- has have played. And I feel like this one is going to have more. It seems like more variety than Skyrim. If at least it looks like to me. I mean, just adding guns to the the equation adds more. Well, and the the magical implements as well, like mm-hmm. the, the wand or the the grimoire. Uh, there's yeah. there's definitely going to be a wider variety than that. It's just how they're going to be implemented. I wonder too. Yeah. And what's the focus on development too? Like, are they just trying to do like a Skyrim type game where you can explore and story and combat's just kind of thrown in there? Or are they really trying to make combat feel good? And from that trailer, the combat looks fun. Like it looks like there's some weight to it. It actually reminded me of the new God of War games, the way it just kind of looked. Uh, but um, in the two games that I looked up, I haven't played these. Maybe somebody here has, but the two games I looked up that said that did uh, first person melee combat really well are Mordhau and For Honor. I don't know if anybody's played those games. Oh, For Honor, yes. For Honor is actually good. Um, but again, it's a different type of game. I don't exactly. think For Honor is, is like an RP, it's not an RPG in the same way that, uh, that these games are, or these games are try to be. And at the same time, too. The focus has to be on so many different aspects. Like, there's people who aren't going to touch weapons, who are going to focus on magic. So they kind of have to split their time between making, of course, making the the combat for physical weapons feel good, but also they need to make the magic feel good. They need to make the questing feel good. They need to they need to make. It's just what an RPG is. It's very and not just feel good, but the right amount of attention, right? Because like we brought up. Mordhau and uh, For Honor, those games are focused specifically on the combat. But with this, you also want to be like exploration, character Mm -hmm. interaction. If the combat's too, if it's too combat focused, it takes away from the other aspects of game development. So they got to make it good, but not too good, if that makes sense. So if this is their outer world Skyrim, then um, I don't even remember fighting in outer worlds. Isn't that weird? I remember the story. I remember the characters. Did I did I even fight anything? I, do. I, I remember even... Outer Worlds like having my favorite types of weapons, but I didn't like I didn't care too much about finding that exact weapon and fine tuning it to everything I wanted. I just was like, oh, I'd look for a new weapon of this type or I'd try to get the maybe the science weapons. Those were actually pretty fun. But you guys know, I recently 100 percented um, uh, Outer Worlds. And yes, you like, keep telling us. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. Kidding, no, but no, but like here. the supernova difficulty really was the thing that that got me to understand like the combat system because like in in normal difficulty you could literally ignore everything and yes. just just shoot with, with the first gun you got 
you know, you could probably upgrade a little bit, but you can yep. get by is what I'm saying. Whereas like when in Supernova, you have to understand like the different um, types, like corrosive damage versus like the, the thunder or lightning the damage or whatever. Damage Physical, sh- yeah, shock damage. Yeah. Exactly. So you have to, robots are weak against corrosive and shock damage. So things like you that. You also had to have something for like far away versus close mm-hmm. combat. Supernova yep. really made your work for it. Yeah, exactly. And like melee combat is is I think even better in in than inside like Skyrim because in like the the moves I, I think there were a couple different like ways you could attack. Like if you held um the button, it would do a power attack like I believe Skyrim does. But like if you if you hit and then hold, it would do like an AOE like swipe attack, which I don't think Skyrim had things like that. It has. Uh, so okay, but my point though is that, generally speaking, it it did have a system and it did have a more complex system. It's just you had to really get into the higher difficulties to really understand it and to see why it mattered. Because like the, my first maybe two playthroughs of Outer Worlds, I just used whatever weapon I had to fight anything like, and it worked fine. Yeah, and I feel like I'm always gonna be like that. To be honest, and be accessible. I think they want it to be that way. I think they want it to be accessible yes. like that. Accessible means boring and generic <laughs> and plain. And what? Like, well, it doesn't matter case, anymore what you do. Like, I mean, that's my opinion. Difficulty. But the... yeah, but I, I mean, uh, a game should like I said, we ha- we know of games that are widely successful, even when they are unapologetically like hard for everyone. That, that's the way the game is supposed to be like Elden Ring. It depends on like what you're trying to deliver, right? Like if you're trying to deliver a Dark Souls experience, then it does need to be very difficult because that's the name of the game. But if if a, a lot of the experience is going to be in the narrative or character interaction or other things, then you want you want the combat to be accessible because that might not be the focus. But again, we're we're speculating that it's not very focused like for all we know combat's actually going to play a huge part in what makes the game very very fun like it's going to be one of the main spotlights and so who knows but yeah i would argue that if it's going to be like outer worlds you don't want it to be super main focus because the outer worlds even though i enjoyed the combat that wasn't i in my opinion that wasn't the main focus it was the world at large and the characters and the stories that were going on you're right you're right actually in that that the combat wasn't too like great in Outer Worlds. That's probably a good thing that it was very accessible on that regard. So you don't have to like go through that. But when you're making a new game, I mean, and you're, you're a studio who's investing a lot of money in this new franchise, you're going to go with what your comfort zone is. Let's be honest. I mean, in their comfort zone, as far as, you know, uh, first person RPG fighting, it's, it's outer worlds. I mean, Carrie Patel mentioned it in her interview, right? So if she mentioned it, obviously that is, I'm not saying it's bad. I, I liked outer worlds. I know it caught a lot of crap, but I like it. I, I liked it because of the story. I liked it because I thought the companions were interesting. Um, again, the combat was forgettable, but I played on normal. I didn't play on on higher level difficulty, maybe I need to go back and try that. It almost sounds like a different game. Um, and I think that's a cool way to differentiate if you're trying to release. Um, I mean, we want, let's be honest, we want Avowed to be popular, right? We're doing this podcast. We're excited about the company. We all love Obsidian. We're, 
you know, we want it to be popular for a game to be popular. Mm -hmm. It has to have some mass appeal. I get that. I, I, I give you that. And I think you're good at that. I think that the outer worlds, even though it didn't reach a huge audience was successful enough that when people think obsidian, they, they think of that title and I want that, but on the same end, I'm still that old grumpy pillars one player. And I understand it's a different type of game. I know it's tactical and isometric, but I'm just talking, man. I mean, they put so much work. If I don't see the same level of work and detail and passion that I saw on that project in this project, if this is just another homogenized combat system, I'm going to yeah. be so upset. Yeah. You know, I don't even wish, I, I, I don't wish that uh, it's going to be popular, but I don't wish it not to be unpopular. I just wish it to be good. Yeah. Um, and thinking outside the box, I, I had a thought that um, these game companies add these, ver like, we call Skyrim-like combat. They've added it because everybody else has it, and that's, and they will implement it based on the expectations of you know the overall industry. I, I wish some game may, made like a decision, thought about what's the combat is actually for, and uh, somehow mold it differently. Just a thought experiment. I, I I have no answers. I just wish that not not all the combat felt the same. Like you play shooters, it's you have basically the same kind of combat. You have a Skyrim-like game, it's basically the same type of combat. And the other thing I think that you have to think about when you're making a game like this, and I don't know if you guys would have a preference or anything, is where does the like where does the thought go into with combat is it like preparing for combat and making sure that you have the right enchantments and the right spells all equipped and then you go in and you can do really well or is it in the moment to moment gameplay too like is it just going to be like a skill type combat where you have to make sure you're blocking at the right time and maybe rolling and attacking at the right time is it going to be that kind of moment to moment thing or is it going to be about planning or maybe both Good question, actually. Yeah, because Outer Worlds was not very skill based. <laughs> you had no like no. parries that you need to worry about. But that would be an interesting thing to add. Because I mean, I know they are a little more proud of the combat system they're building right now. So are they including some of that? I'd be nice to see, yeah. personally speaking. Well, you know they're proud of it. Ninety-nine percent of the damn trailer was combat. I, so I was gonna say, if you if if you look at the trailer, that it seems like it's one of their big focuses. That's it's all it is. Their, yeah. yeah. Well, story. If you, played, if you play grounded lately, they do have some of that skill based like melee combat. Gr True. Granted, Good it's point. a little more suitable for that game than it might be for Avowed, depending on the intent. But I mean, they've clearly played with the systems. I mean, I'm glad they're proud of it. I'm glad that they, they're leaning into it now. And at Devil's Advocate, we've already mentioned this before that you know they did not make the trailer it was a company that they gave footage to that made the trailer there's been some rumblings behind the scenes this is nothing official but there's been word from from various publications that they have talked to people at obsidian who were unhappy with the trailer um but it was too late to change it and and xbox wanted it to be presented um i think that was from windows central uh they mentioned something like that but you know so devil's advocate, maybe what, what we're analyzing and looking at through the trailer is not going to be anything like what, what 
it's actually going to be, you know, but I, I don't know. I'm happy with less weapons. I'm happy with less non magical weapons, but de- I want, I want the passion. I want you to give it the time, the passion, the focus. Um, don't just give me a coat of paint like Skyrim was, uh, even though it was hugely successful, that is not a game known for its combat. Let's be honest. I mean, um, even on high, di- high difficulty, that game is super easy. So, um, okay. I want some challenge. I hope they also like a role play kind of plays into it. Cause I don't know if anyone else cares about that or not, but like when I hear that I'm going to be playing as an envoy from a deer and I think that Woodica might be involved. I think to myself, if I want to play a pro Woodican person, I hope that unarmed is a good option because that's kind of like the bread, but I don't know if he, how many people are into the lore of it. But people who follow Wittica and uh, want to go destroy people in that god oh, yes. they typically choke them to death. So Why would you like, not want to play pro Wittica? Let's be yeah. honest. Well, I know you're a Wittican follower, right? Dude, so there yes. you go. But you're going to want to play a character where you can like choke your enemies out. And that would be consistent <laughs> with role play. So <laughs> Literally, like, Carol, like you're going <laughs> to. That's funny. But you know what I'm I, saying? Like there's a level yeah. of role play that people like. Yeah, like some people are going to want to have a weapon that can do a certain thing because their character has this background or this story. I'm, I'm sorry, Gingerina. But I think they've they've just taken all the lore and role building of BOE down the toilet in here. Maybe I don't know. I don't we'll see. I what hope makes not. You say I hope not. What makes me say that? It makes me say that Gary Patel basically said in her interview that, uh, like, she confirmed that like she she was asked, "Is there any reason to play the Pillars games before playing about?" She's like said no. Oh, well, okay. She didn't exactly say that. What Basically, what she said was you don't have to. It will obviously enhance um, yeah. your experience because there's going to be returning characters, but you don't have to, which I think any, like anybody, I mean, if if Baldur's Gate 4 comes out, made by Larian, if uh, someone asked the game director, do you need to play Baldur's Gate 3? I guarantee you his answer is going to be no. It's going to be the same. Because you don't, you want it to be as accessible as possible. You want to sell as much as possible. It's not going to be a, if it's not going to be a direct sequel, then the answer is going to be the same as Carrie Patel's answer, I think. So I don't think we should read too much into it, in my opinion. There's so many people that have been making Pillars games, but are not making about. He makes a good point in what he's saying, right? Like, I'm coming to this thinking, oh, I want to play a Wudakin follower from a deer who, you know, uh, chokes his enemies to death because it's consistent with what the paladin playthrough would be like but a new player wouldn't know that so are they going to include that level of detail uh, maybe probably not so that's me walking into it with my own expectations which is kind of unfair to be to give it that yeah i mean we're all speculating we have no idea because they haven't told us anything which is another problem but i'm more um, concerned about what this says about me as a person that that's what i want to do to all these people in the game but <laughs> but do you, I mean, in general, since we're, we can kind of wrap this up in general, you, do you want them, do you want it to be a 50, 50? Because we know magic is pretty, obviously from the trailer, we know magic is fun. We know shooting fireballs is cool, but some of us enjoy the other side. You know, uh, do you feel as a studio that they will take that into account and, um, you know, come in and uh 
how can I say, give not necessarily 50, 50, but, but put as much attention on non-magical as they do on magic. And I think I already know the answer to this. Unfortunately, they're probably not, but um, does it, does anyone here feel the same way or do you, are you guys all pro magic or what are your I thoughts? Mean, my impression about the trader was that they are going the route, like they're going uh, kind of the same route as like oblivion and Skyrim did where like every character oh, Skyrim not that much, Oblivion did it I think pretty uh, prominently that uh, basically every character was a mix of of melee mage I, I mean like melee fighting mage and archery like to, to, to a certain extent like of course there were some uh, special specializations here and there but uh, but there were always like <clears throat> situations in the game where, or, or like the, there was there was an optimal way of playing the game, and that was with like all three of melee combat uh, spells or like magic combat and archery. And based on the trailer, I feel like that's gonna be kind of uh, similar in about. If uh, if I'm allowed to make such, uh, you know, claims or like maybe it's just uh, maybe it's just a far off conjecture, but uh, but this this one this what my feeling is is like based on like the scenes we saw that it's it's gonna be like uh, oh every character is kind of a, a fighter thief and mage slash cipher at the same time. I I also really hope not, but. But like j just the fact that we know that um, uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be an ab ability tree system and not a not a class system. I think that also makes me think more that I'm I'm probably correct on this one. I have the opposite thought. I have the opposite thought, and the only reason why I say I have the opposite thought is because they're adding abilities based. It seems like based off of what weapon you're using. For example, like that. Remember that, like uh, that shield charge. Obviously, you can't do that if you don't have a shield. So I feel like uh, if they do it like um, Elder Scrolls Online, which is how I would want them to do it, where uh, there's like a tree for each weapon, um, then y you should be able to, in my thought, focus on just, like just martial weapons. If you just put all your uh, your ability points or whatever they're going to do into just your martial tree or whatever, you could just be that. That's how I mm -hmm. hope it. It works and that's what it seems like to me yeah but like in in other scrolls online you also have to like uh you know like like you have to ignore basically half of the skill trees avail available to you to do that you know like like it's not like the game encourages to do i mean you have the possibility of course but like i don't know i i haven't played much so i don't know if if it's a detriment to how strong your character is if you I bet you ignore... it's like what we were talking about. I bet you it's like what we were talking about, where, like, I think you're right. Optimally, right, in Elder Scrolls Online, you might, if you're doing, like, PvP, you, you would want some magic abilities in there, some two-handed abilities in there. But you can play the base game, like, just through the story, doing quests. Like, 99% of the game, you can say, I'm going to use a two-handed weapon, and all I'm going to use are the, the abilities from the two-handed tree because I'm a martial character. I don't want to use magic. But as you get more into the meta, if you want to be like the top DPS charts in, 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 in a game like Avowed, I, I assume, 
like if you want to play on the hardest difficulty, maybe it, it, it's not as viable. Um, but I feel like on normal difficulty, you're gonna be if if they allow you to to put all your abilities and just like martial, just uh, specific weapons, you're gonna be able to go start to finish doing just that. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Are there any examples of games that have tried to do first person guns, swords, and magic all well? Dishonored. Dishonored. Yeah, Dishonored okay. is yeah. a good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Good one. and they do it well, I think. But um, and then what was the other one? The one that was on the the oh, they just released the the sequels coming up or something. It was the oh crap. Now of course I had it in my head. I have the image of the trailer. The the whole it's like Victorian theme. Um, but ah, uh, the Exile game was it that one? Yes, yes, that one. Yeah, one of the time travel revolution. Ah, yes. revolution. Yeah. That one. I mean, I I know that others are are attempting to do it or have tried to do it. What is it? what is the game? Oh, sorry, I missed that. What was the game? In Exile's next game is called Clockwork Revolution. It's the steampunk one. Oh, mm -hmm. I haven't heard of that. I'll it it kind of looks yeah. like Dishonored a little bit, I guess. You could argue that, but um, with the guns and the the swords and the first person RPGs slash maybe RPG, I guess you could argue that as well. But um, so we do have somebody who just joined us, uh, Jesse. Welcome, my friend. Hi. So good to have you, man. Hello. I'm glad you could join us. Um, we've just been chatting about the trailer, some of the melee weapons and the ranged weapons, and the basically non-magical combat. Um, and we were, uh, sharing our thoughts on that. Do you have thoughts? Do you, are you looking for more like we talked about how in pillars, the isometric game, you have, uh, a vast amount of, uh, weapons you can pick from and use and how the system was very intricate and you had families that you could join that had particular proficiencies. And then, uh, it was just, there was a lot in that game. Would you prefer to have more, uh, uh, a breadth of choice or do you want uh, maybe just them to focus on the standard weapon types like we see in the trailer we just basically in the trailer we see the axes the bows the the spears the pistols the swords um, and would you want to see just the generic group but with maybe more detail on each weapon um, I, I definitely think that they should branch out into more um different types of weapons and stuff because that i think that's like the biggest complaint i see about a lot of uh modern day rpgs especially stuff like oblivion and skyrim like everyone everyone complains that they uh they remove spears over and over and over again i think um even this like a historical perspective i think it's really important to have uh, a variation in weapons because so many of them had so many uh advantages over the other i mean like especially obviously i'm not as familiar with pillars and avowed as you guys but i mean even in something like the elder scrolls like not having spears in oblivion was a huge misstep i think because <clears throat> like you have a, a setting that mimics ancient greece or the roman empire that and spears were their thing phalanxes were their thing <clears throat> i think that's important for not just the vibe but just for being interesting as a as a gameplay feature so i think um i think about 
should have a little bit more variation. I know that they've already mentioned like having guns, but uh, I think choosing a weapon at the beginning and kind of sticking with it through the game should have a lot of good perks for you. I think that should uh, I think that should be a rewarding experience. Now, from a design point, I could see them limiting things a little bit um i could see them going the short the fewer number but let me say why because i feel like again i've said this a hundred times i don't think about as a one-shot deal i think this is a franchise that they're hoping to develop we i believe we'll see avowed three avowed four i think this is something that's going to continue and with that frame of mind as a developer it makes more sense for you to just let's just get the basics right. Let's just, mm. just cut out all the shit and let's just get this, narrow it down, get just the very basics stuff, right? You know, so we only have three types of swords or whatever. They're going to be the best damn swords ever. And then in the DLC pack four for $20, you'll get another sword or for, you know, horse armor or whatever they decide to release. <laughs> but about two, you know, in about two, we have spears, you know, although there were spears in this trailer, but um, you get my drift and that since this is a, a legitimate franchise, maybe they are starting small intentionally because they're like, let's not get too big for our britches here. Let's just get the basic small part right. Let's make a really good outer world Skyrim game and do the best we can with that. And then with Val two, three, four, whatever. Uh, we're we're really gonna get into the nitty gritty. Do you think that's a viable? Or do you think I'm just speaking out my ass here? I mean, just to be yes. honest with me. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, but go speak or go home. <laughs> Fair enough. I agree yeah. with that. That's the way I side. I mean, that's what Baldur's Gate three did. They didn't start small and uh, you know let's pare back our ambitions. But so I totally get that. I saw I saw that cope comment giving. Yeah, that very, made me laugh. Um, very very appropriate. I uh I, I agree. I agree. I think um I think the outer worlds was them going the safe route and not going big or going home. And I think that that um didn't go over as well as people thought. Like the outer worlds came out, it got like nines and tens across the board, and then slowly but surely everyone was like, This is boring as hell. A lot of worlds was safe in some regards, but like when you it was a brand new IP, right? Like that alone yeah. is already a risky thing to be doing. So I, I don't know if well, like, some people see Avowed as a brand new like, IP. Avowed's not really a new IP, right? Like I know. Have... I, I hate I mean, this conversation people have online where they they're saying um, every time I see people talk about Avowed, they're like, "Oh, it, well, this is like a new IP for Microsoft." And then some uh, someone comes in and says, "Oh no, it's in the Pillars of Eternity universe." And then they're like, "Well, for all intents and purposes," and I'm like. No, it's not. It's not a new IP. There's, it's it's crazy to me that some people are acting like it is, and it's yeah, not. Like, and I feel like they come to it. The, the development they're developing it like it's in a continuation of Pillars, but a new yeah. Do you think comment. we would be able to do forty podcasts on a trailer only? I mean, there's more, <laughs> sh- there's crazy. more shit going on here, right? I mean, four years of fucking <laughs> podcast over. So yeah, there's there's some there's a there's a history here. Yeah, I have to remind you that Obsidian had the had in mind the first go big on Avowed, and then later right. they restarted sure. going 
small. So mm-hmm. everything that they then like s- try to rationalize their de- decision, it's afterthought and a cope. Yeah, we did mention the apology tour, which is what it felt like when they came on the interview. It was not very comforting, but you know, I'm trying to <laughs> Kiwi, help me be positive, my man. Help me help me uh do I have to move to Canada? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll welcome you with open arms. Thank you. Thank you very much. Coffee. True Canadian thing. So I I think we'll we'll just close out that I I think if you haven't seen that post on Reddit by Ordis, it was a lot of effort, a lot of work. It was interesting. It pointed out the type of weapons you see. We've kind of beat it to death here, talking about what you know Pillars One had, uh, Pillars Two, and then what we thought we'd see here. Um, all speculation, other than what we saw in the trailer, of course, and even he also that did the uh, the abilities post too, right? The one about magic that was also Ordis. Yes. Yeah, I know. Great stuff, Ordis. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Guy's making some awesome stuff. Really good stuff. We got (laughs) some great people on Reddit. I'm telling you, Um, some some really good community uh, building there, Uh, separate from the people who email me. But these people are great. I love them. So. Uh, I speaking of, let's get to the emails. I have a ton and I pick some that are nice so let's see here uh i'm just gonna run through them and you can give your thought one of them is actually slightly triggering but it's okay that's that's what we're here for i will save that for the last question (laughs) let's see uh i'm scanning through Uh, oh this one's an easy one highwayman 432 uh wrote us and said for avowed's release in 2024 does it make more sense for the studio to release the game in the winter spring or at the end of the year at the end of a financial quarter mm-hmm. when would that be is that in june probably q3 uh, september october Somewhere okay. away know, from other Big Ten releases. We, we uh, know that, that they want to do four big releases a year or four kind of to, to their Game Pass based off of what I think Phil Spencer said. And we know that Hellblade has been, is next year and has been in development, I believe, for longer than Avowed. I feel like yeah. Hellblade is yeah. closer to Avowed. And I, I feel agree. like I wouldn't be surprised if Hellblade came out in the spring, which yeah. would mean that Avowed would be summer fall or winter i would it's probably put it be... later because you just because yeah. you're having four big releases doesn't mean you want them all to be rpgs or anything like that right, right. You probably want to have different variety between each one like one might be a driving game or something i don't know mm-hmm. so well hellblade is one of the biggest ones and then wasn't there enough is stalker 2 is that xbox or is that it's, that's all, it's xbox. not it's on game pa- it's gonna be on game pass so it's i think on, they're considering okay. it I don't think they're there. It's not first party, but okay. it is a game pass day one game. Well, and you have arc two is coming out. And then we just heard that dragon's dogma two is coming out on, and that's not March. Xbox, but it's coming out on March 22nd. Mm-hmm. You definitely don't want to go up against that sucker after looking at the trailer. So that's going to be pretty big. I believe, I think that that's developed a community over time based on the first game, which was released on everything, even fridge, even you can play it on your fridge. But anyway, 
Dragon's Dogma 2 is a big one, right? Right in March. I would think that they would either want to strategically release it before then or well after that. And my guess is still the fall. Um, but I mean, who knows really? Um, the next one is from Lamp Post. Oh, wait, I'm saving this one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the next one, one is from Emmy Girl 09. We have female listeners. That's good. Join oh. us on the podcast sometime. Um, we will we see Avowed at the Game Awards on December 7th? If so, do you think a real story trailer will be revealed or just potential gameplay? I'm honestly 50 50 mm. on this. I mm. really don't know. So, I Xbox had so. a newsletter that said um, tune in to the Game Awards. Um, so, I feel like they're going to announce something. I think it's most likely going to be Hellblade because they, they announced Hellblade like initially, like in the Game Awards. So, it makes sense that they do like a release date, like it's coming out mm. in the spring. So, I, I feel like that's big enough that that could be their only, that could be Xbox's only thing in the game awards. I agree with that. So I, I, we might see him, but I don't think so. I don't know if we will, but I would love to see something a little bit more story focused at the game awards. I think we will see something. I I'm almost a hundred percent positive. We will. I think because you really have two, two, that's their two biggest games, right? And they, they, they had Redfall, and that was a stinker. And now Starfield is losing hundreds of thousands of players a day and is, you know, not a stinker, but not the success that they wanted it to be. Yep. And then here are all these developers gathering together, all these people watching this awards show. This is their chance to show their tentpole stuff. So I think you'll see both, uh, you know, Hellblade and you'll see about. If we do see about, I don't expect a story trailer. I think after they announce the reveal date, then they might focus more on story. Like a story trailer, you kind of get once you have all the people you want interested in the game, because it doesn't really bring in people with the trailer, right? Like, whereas the combat one, that's kind of the one that the new people will go, oh, this looks fun. I'll play that. Right. Well, hopefully don't get another magic trailer. I mean, we've seen enough of that for a little while, so... Even and if maybe, we just get like flybys of the environments. Yes, that would be cool. Like a sky, a sky view of living lands. I would take that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I said I said story, but I think it was just anything to anything that's just not only focused on the combat. Like what else is there? Can we see the world? Can we see maybe a city or something like that? Oh, that would be cool. People talking. Cool. Yeah. I'll take anything. But I, I, I do think we'll see something. I think it was if you're releasing in 2024. It's just professionally negligent, not to, especially after the way Starfield has crashed. So you you really need to tell your investors of all people, dude, we got some things coming in there pretty big. I still you know? doubt it. There's there's Fable to look at. There's Hellblade. There's Stalker, Fable so far away though. Games too, and we already got our thing in June, right? So I, I don't know. I just I just yeah. don't see it, but. It's Dude, not- why? What, what the hell? You're the you're the negative nanny, and I'm the positive one. I don't know if this is negative. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, we got our trailer. I think they probably are gonna hold off on the other stuff till later. Like, they're okay, gonna focus so on negative. what's coming up next okay. and how can we promote that the most. And I don't think Avowed oh, is coming up next. Yep, I uh, I yeah. completely agree. Every single instance of the Game Awards I've ever watched is like 20 indie game trailers and like maybe two or three trailers for like bigger games and um i know 
believe that there's cause to believe there might be a trailer for the Elden Ring DLC at the Game Awards. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. So that that's already <clears throat> I'm counting that as the as one of the possibly two or three big trailers there. <laughs> for the most part it's just going to be a bunch of uh, a bunch of other like really really small stuff like a lot too uh 2d side-scrolling platformers because that, really? okay. that is that is 90 percent of all the trailers at the game awards usually yeah hopefully he's got a little more in his pocket this time all right so here we go this is this is a legitimate email i did not make this up do not send your hate mail to me so it's not my fault and this is going to stir up some stuff so anyway um Lamp post lighter. <laughs> That's a great, That's a great uh, tag uh, handle, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Lamp post lighter wrote in and said, "Considering that Carrie Patel is a millennial." That's all I really have to say. Do I even have to read wow. the rest of the uh, question? Oh, all right, let's unpack this. I, I'm, oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> um, considering that Carrie Patel is a millennial and that Obsidian tends to hire younger talent. What effect will changing generational values have on the future of game development? That is a very neutral way to word that question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was. I, that. I, 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 you know exactly what he's asking, but he, yeah. he, he didn't use any of the bad like keywords. How many drafts do you think this person wrote for this email? Like, no, I can't say that. No, shoot. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they knew exactly what they wanted to say. And it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a carefully worded email, which we will take seriously because parenthesis, should we be worried about the millennials making games? Millennials are beginning to be in the forties with families. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. But, but, okay. But, but seriously, I know what keywords you're talking about. And I mean, look at the oeuvre of obsidian, go through it. I, I really worried they're getting more, more woke. Seriously. If, yeah. if, if, it, if it isn't already a, a pro, if, if, if you're worried that if they are beginning to be it, then, then look look what they've made. Look at the characters that's in it. So uh, no, go away. Can re Let's reread the email. I need a refresh. You want me to read it again? <laughs> yeah. Crap. Yeah, we are focusing on other things. <laughs> okay, lamppost lighter. Um, considering that Carrie Patel is a millennial, I don't know how you know that, um, but I guess maybe she has her data somewhere but uh carrie patel is a millennial and that obsidian tends to hire younger talent will that affect the changing what effect will changing generational values have on future game development okay 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 let's look okay. at taking this seriously like there is there's pillars of eternity you know the narratives and the themes and the things that we see in that game i don't know what generations of people made that game but you know it's it's almost 10 years old now right so if Obsidian is hiring new people, there's a lot of new narratives within society that, you know, they're well, going to want to think about, I suppose, for a game. It's a that mix of baby boomers and Generation X, really. So. so, I mean, like, there's a legitimacy to, like, how is the narrative of Avowed going to be different from the Pillars of Eternity universe at large? Like, I do think that there's validity to that question. Yeah. Um, I would invite you to look at the rest of gaming that we like the rest of the culture and a lot of the stories that gaming has already told and tell me you don't think it's already woke or whatever, whatever phrase you want to use. Um, I mean, if Pillars of Eternity released, like when Baldur's Gate 1 released, I mean, think about how uh, 
Pillars of Eternity has a bunch of different cultures with a bunch of different perspectives. And like, look at Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. It's very um, pretty vanilla fantasy. Does that make sense? I mean, Faerun in general is kind of vanilla fantasy. But still, just the way it, it, it approaches those topics are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, from Pillars of Eternity and and Baldur's Gate One, so I feel like we're all right in here that it's already slowly been growing like that from from the beginning. I think we're just going to see an evolution of that going forward. Yeah, I, um, yeah. I mean, even looking at something like Fallout New Vegas, released in like 2011, uh, there's accurate depictions of a sexual assault victim. <laughs> Uh, that one NCR uh, lady that it's implied Cook Cook um, took advantage of. I also get the sense from Obsidian that they like collaborate a lot, like from the documentaries we see. You yeah. know, maybe that could also be smoke and mirrors. But yeah, so like younger hires or not, I'm confident that Obsidian can, from a professional standpoint, still put out narratives within this fantasy universe that's consistent with what the universe is, right? So <laughs> I think that they're gonna try to make the game super woke in, in any necessary kind of way. I, I think that they'll yeah. probably just make interesting stories that is consistent with the universe that they're in and to the best of their ability. I don't know. There might be certain topics they have to be careful around now that they weren't didn't have to 10 years ago, but that doesn't mean that they're not capable of doing it. I have never seen Obsidian fail in that regard personally, but I then again, I haven't really... Well, younger people, if they're hiring younger people, that's Generation Z anyway. That's not millennial. Why would you put millennial in your question? Obviously, you feel like that's a negative, right? If he's putting that in his question, I would I would I don't I get a very negative feel to the question. I think it would have been better to start with your secondary question to just say, how have games changed as generations changed in development would be maybe more appropriate. I think that. Lamp post lighter. I respect you for sending in the question, but I think your question is. I don't know if combative's the word, but I, I feel like it's already painting a negative, right? I think it's. I think it's from a little bit of a flawed perspective. I have a thing to say, please. I and I, I think it's wrong to take this cultural war perspective here, and I think. I'll give an anecdotal evidence. World of Warcraft originally was launched with 50 people. For some reason, uh, throughput of developers has been greater in the past. And nowadays, there's a lot. I don't know how the management is in the game development companies, but I think this case of in any case, like an, an art turning into an industry where things will take different turns. And nowadays we have less of experimental or new type of games. We don't have people putting their heart into games. We have people who want to work in the gaming industry, but they are like like uh, just some kind of artist working for some game, but they are not really into this stuff. Uh, I think it's a shift in working culture and also in the way why people go and make video games. I I think nowadays some people feel uh, this ties into again to that whole 
mm. culture war thing that, that some people feel that uh, games as any art uh, should not no longer just depict how the world is or could be but they games should portray world as it should be and i think it's in a way that's tiring to see in fantasy or sci-fi games yeah. is because it's speculative fiction yeah i mean just because your game gives more choice doesn't necessarily mean it's woke i think yeah. that i think that uh i think that there's a science behind generational changes. I think that's actually fascinating. I think there's real studies behind that. I'm not talking about the bullshit that this probably is talking about, but you know, there, there's a real studies behind how, how games have changed, how maybe they're more socially aware now than they used to be. Maybe there, there's more messaging than there used to be. Maybe there's, um, you know, but you, you don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't buy it if you got a problem with them. I mean, because I thought Outer Worlds was pretty. I mean, think about it. You got lesbian relationships. You've got mm -hmm. uh, you've got you got some stuff in there. So <laughs> not just lesbian, asexual lesbian relationships. No, you're right. You're right. Good point. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but <laughs> my man wants boobs in his games. <laughs> oh my god he can have you know, wait for the mod yeah just the <laughs> some, you know, regardless i'm excited to see yeah. what newer and older talent bring to mm -hmm. personally speaking like i i okay. like that wide variety i would rather obsidian do that and i think that they do so yeah, yeah i gotta say when i heard that question i was kind of surprised when you guys went to the culture wars route because when i heard that i thought like i'm not saying i subscribe to this thinking or anything i thought like the general thought was that millennials are like lazy or they live at their parents house or something like that and that's what i thought this person was writing interesting. about so. <laughs> okay. okay that's interesting but i but maybe that's just because the question was poorly worded um i mean i'm all for more stories from more different kinds of identities from more different kinds of people and i really look forward to games that have those things in them so uh but that's just i don't know i just i don't know if that's what that person was asking but maybe that's just a poorly worded question yeah. then if, if that's the case and he was actually being like you know millennials are lazy or whatever whatever the hell else the last generation thinks poorly of the new generation um, I'll remind you that uh, some of your favorite uh, forms of media, some of your favorite movies and video games have been created by young minds of the generation. Uh, oh, George yeah. Lucas was only like, or I'm sorry, Spielberg was only in his 20s when he made Jaws. Yeah. Uh, Lucas was in his 20s when he made American Graffiti and Star Wars. Like <laughs> some of the some of the greatest uh, examples of. Uh, pushing genres forward yeah, comes from oh like Those young generations bucks. weren't lazy as kids, Jesse. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's what it, it seemed like some kind of like complaining about kids these days. That's what that. Oh, yeah, exactly. yeah. I can, I can, I can, I see what you're these days. I see Should what you're guess lamppost lighters age or no, let's not do <laughs> nah, that. I guess. No. Yeah, I think no. that there's a validity behind the, what, what he's asking. And yeah. I don't know, maybe we're misinterpreting it, but um, I'll, go, like, I'll actually go a step up. further and say that a lot of the really dull media that we see today is from older generations trying to pander to younger generations. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't like, I don't. Uh, a lot of the stuff I see, like really young minds, uh, generation by generation, 
come up with ends up being stuff that's really well received. I mean, it's not every time, but I mean, like, I think the guy that made Moral Laurel was really, really young when he started doing that. If I if I remember correctly, <laughs> and Moral Laurel was like Adult Swim's most well received premiere show for like two or three years. <clears throat> yeah, also Don't remind, do your like, own thing. People, yeah, I, I also re- remind people that uh, you know a lot of people talk about Outer Worlds about it's. I can be too woke or maybe it was quote unquote lazy or things like that but like the game director is Tim Kane, the game director of the original and, Fallout and Leonard Boyarsky, like, like... And Leonard Boyarsky the, the, the art director from the original Fallout so like <laughs> and he and um, Tim Kane is is a lot older he's not a millennial and he's also gay so like there's oh. culturally speaking right like um, AIDS really didn't have anything to do with, with that part of, of of like how the game was made so i feel mm-hmm. like in general i think games are made by such a large group of people nowadays that uh little bits of everybody and i think this is better than it was uh go into the games yeah if that makes sense. it's, it's more realistic as a world yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. i think uh ted peterson uh one of the guys that was originally with bethesda and worked on uh the elder scrolls for like a decades I believe that he's gay as well. I mean, like, we have gender fluid gods and, and all sorts True, of other yeah, crazy. Yeah. I mean, if, you really, if you really want to get into wokeness, go back and look at ancient Greece. I mean, yeah. there you let's go. be honest. I mean, yeah. seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and Rome, holy shit. You know, I mean, <laughs> the Medoans. Read your history, man. So, <laughs> you, you know, we're, geez. Anyway, um, so. Thank you, everybody, for writing in. Um, if you want to send us more questions, um, feel free. It's uh, gmail.com. Um, so appreciate you guys joining me today to talk about this. We kind of, I think we we hit the target, even though we were a little all over the place. That's my fault. But um, this, if you want to give a shout out where people can find you, we'll just go down the list. Gingerino, where can people find you? Um, if you're interested in the lore of the world of Aora, which is the setting for Pillars of Eternity 1, 2, and Avowed, you can check out my lore podcast aptly named The World of Aora. I don't think I've done any episodes on weapons yet, specifically, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Maybe I should. Maybe I should you should. That, now. that would be cool. I've been. Uh, the episode releases are kind of sparse right now just because, A, in the middle of UPS season. Uh, yeah season so it's a, it's tough, it's a tough season for you. I feel for you. Yeah, yeah. so it'll be. Right now, I'm kind of working on bestiary stuff because I've, I've been listening not watching but i've been listening to centigraph's playthrough of pillars right. of eternity and I, every time he stops and reads about one of the uh the creatures that he interacts with for the first time i'm like oh yeah that's right i forgot that there's stories behind why this basic creature exists it brings back so many memories uh, it's such a cool listen for sure and watch yeah, just reading those things is like what made me want to do it in the first place. So <laughs> glad you uh, glommed on to that. I believe it. Yeah, Delum guns for me was the thing that kind of pushed me in that direction. I'm like, I just I beat up all these enemies in this game, and I didn't even realize there's a whole there's a whole thing behind them. So yeah. Anyways, that's that's me. World of AR. If you want to check that podcast out, that's pretty much it. Jesse, you want people to find you? If so, where? Um, let's see. I, I do still have my my Instagram uh, centered around my my Lego collection. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jesse's bricks, all one word, uh, no apostrophe, obviously, because it's a username. Um, but uh, I have been working on 
uh, a really, really, really big build based off of Sweet. one of my childhood favorite sets. So that's making good progress. And, um, and of course, I still have my world building project over it r slash denim i'm actually um exploring different avenues of where i can go with it uh, i've been looking into uh making a comic or even animations nice as well because okay. i'd be able to do something with that so if there's an animator out there that is interested in a uh, a long-term uh fantasy adventure uh, and wants to collaborate hit me up so cool very cool uh, Kiwi, are you still under a rock or do you want people to find you? Don't reach out. Yes. <laughs> do not. I, re- I respect it, Kiwi. I do. I do, man. Um, Lazar? Nope. Okay. Parenthesis. Uh, I stream on uh, Twitch on uh, Thursdays and Sundays under the handle Command Objective. And you're more than welcome to join. Uh, what, is, uh, what, what games do you stream? Uh, mostly narrative games. Uh, I'm currently going through uh, Road Warden, an excellent little indie title, and uh, the classic adventure game Siberia. Love Ooh. Siberia. Oh, that's all I haven't played yet. Oh, I found you. <laughs> um, good stuff, because I'm I've I've definitely watched and listened. So, Remoran, where do you where where can people find you? At Sir Remoran on X slash Twitter. Oh God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got to clarify both. Yep. Yeah. All right, Centigraph, this is it. You tell people where they can find your cool ass shit. <laughs> Before I do that, I do just want to say thanks you guys for like making me a part of the community and everything. It's really great to find people that are passionate about the same things that you are. So, I really appreciate you welcoming me. I've really been enjoying this podcast and Gingerino's podcast too. As for me, <laughs> Um, yeah, I am doing a lore through right now of the first Pillars of Eternity game on YouTube, username Centigraphs, that's S-E-N-T-E-G-R-A-P-H-S. Um, I think if you just look for Pillars of Eternity lore through on YouTube, then it'll pop up though. Um, I just today finished through the uh, main game and we'll be moving on to White March. Um, really enjoying it so far. And maybe when I move on to two, I'll try to do something like I won't pre-record everything and maybe it could be a little bit more of a conversation than it has been because everything's been recorded since this summer. So we'll see. But yeah, please uh, follow me. Please like and comment and all those good things on YouTube. And I hope to see you there. Great content, man. Thanks for doing it. Thank you. Check it out. It's the great teacher. Yeah. Um, and you're going on to my favorite DLC. So uh, I'm excited about that. So um okay I, um, sorry one more thing i was surprised when i was playing through white march how just how good it is i forgot it's how good so it was good. and now i was just so enamored with it again <laughs> it's so good yeah i love it um all right thanks for listening and uh like we said about cast at gmail.com we're also on x slash twitter slash whatever it's going to be called next month and that is at Avowedcast, <laughs> and uh we will Probably not be doing another episode at the end of the year unless we hear something at the Game Awards in which we might do a reaction to that, um, in which I, I'm still rolling my dice. I still am being an optimist, unlike some people, and I believe that it will happen. Uh, so, And we must convert Gingerino. You must uh, see the light, my friend. It's going to happen. Hey, I'll, <laughs> I'll be happy to be proved wrong. You have to manifest it, right? That's what they call that, manifesting. Yeah. Think the positive. All that. Yes. 
All right. Uh, thank you very much, and we'll see you guys next year. We were pleasant while we lasted, were we not? <laughs> <laughs>